You are listening to Geek Fest Rants on the IC Robots Radio Network. You have located Geek Fest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. No one's allowed to talk, is that it? You can't talk? No, you intimidate them. Good God, you're a woman. <laughs> is it better to be feared or respected? And I say, is it too much to ask for both? I humbly present the Jericho. To peace. Tony Stark. Now you work for me. Are you building stuff? Your eyes are red. Your tears for your long lost boss? Tears of joy. I hate job hunting. Yeah, vacation's over. Welcome home, sir. Put up the scanner, will you? What happened over there? I have my eyes open. I want to protect the people I put in harm's way. A man with a dozen of these can do all of Asia. Yeah, I can fly. Let's see if this dog can hunt. So the upgrade is complete. Tell you what, throw a little hot rod red in there. Good luck keeping up. What's going on here? Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. There's been speculation that I'm parading around as a superhero. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. Everybody and welcome once again to Geekfest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone, and today we are welcoming a new co-host. His name is Steve. I'm going to introduce him in a few minutes. And the subject that we are doing is DC versus Marvel. We are going to examine the history of the films, how they have competed and fared against each other in the past, the many different renaissances, if you will, of Marvel and DC films that we've had, and the current status of what is most known now to the public as the modern era of superhero films, and how and why is it that DC still seems to be a little behind the ball 
when it comes to this particular genre where Marvel seems to be outperforming everyone else. So let's get started with DC versus Marvel. What did I teach you? You are the Duke of New York. You're a number one. You will not laugh. You will not cry. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. Can you dig it? Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That spawn of Satan. <laughs> oh, really? The force will be with you always. All right, we're going to hit a different topic today. We're going to do a comparison of Marvel versus DC films. And joining me for the first time here, I have Steve Folks, who has been a listener, you know, to our podcast for a while. And every now and then we've been interacting and exchanging notes and, and commenting on stuff. And I, I contacted Steve and said, hey, would you be interested in maybe participating in a show? And luckily for me, he said yes. Say hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing, everyone? And thanks for having me on. Sure, sure. This is one of the subjects that he actually suggested. So I know we've covered DC and Marvel in the past from different angles. You know, we, we've hit individual movies. We've hit, you know, the, the, the history of it. But today we're going to try to do a comparison in terms of how is it that these two different franchises, because now they're, they're monsters, they're huge, especially Marvel. You know, how is it that we got to this point? And why is it that one seems to be critically and financially doing much better than the other? But before that, let's go back a little bit, because the world of, of Marvel and DC, they've kind of had these ups and downs. Now, granted, they're huge worlds. The comic books, obviously, that's where their bread and butter was originally, where, where everything came from. But they've ventured into television. They ventured into film, not very successfully sometimes and moderately successfully other times. You tell me how you feel, but the farthest back that I can think of, as far as big successful films to me would be superman that's the the, the the first thing i can think of of like really massively successful how about you oh yeah uh, definitely see now uh, i i think this is going to be interesting because we're going to have um the, the sort of age discrepancy to to, uh -huh. to, to kind of uh, you know kind of, no no, no this, this is definitely a knock on on either of us see from my point of view um and, and i did see the original superman the, i believe the first two movies but those were made you know before my time so wow. so so yes yeah, so so to me, while I, I you know retro, you know in retrospect, you know you can go back and and, and see that they were um, you know groundbreaking. Honestly, so, so when was very... the first time the first time you actually saw something in the theater that was part of some big wave of, of Marvel or DC? It is definitely aging me, but my first big one was um, was uh, was X Men, the, the very first X Men oh, in okay. two thousand. So that's two thousand, yeah, yeah. So that one was where I. And that, 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 that's definitely the one where it, it sort of opened my eyes to, to, to comics. Now, and I knew of comics before, but that one was the big groundbreaker for me because it just it, it looked so fresh and new and different. Mm -hmm. And incidentally, it was a Marvel, you know, a Marvel movie, which may lead to, you know, the, the conversation uh, down the road. Yeah, because, again, that, that was Marvel when Marvel wasn't what it is now. They were in a period, from what I understand, where they were kind of leasing or selling certain properties and people but you know certain studios would have it for a certain amount of time and then 
later on that time could expire and it could revert back to Marvel and so forth because they, they weren't being very successful but they were they were good at least at selling their brand to other studios right right now I do remember yes I do remember that that particular wave and that to me that's kind of like the let's uh, let me think for a second I'm going to call that the third wave or the third renaissance of, of the, the super successful superhero films if you will mine uh, because I'm a little older I'm uh, I was born in 1970 so by the time Superman came out in 78 i probably saw it probably in 1979 or 1980 when i first came to the states because i wasn't even i was born in uruguay so i uh, i my geekdom started really uh in the late late 70s but yeah superman had a whole string of films arguably just like a lot of things the first one is amazing the second one is really good and the third one they starts to decline and the fourth one is just horrific but that kind of, you know, that kind of lasted through the, I would say, late 70s through mid 80s. Then we had also from DC in the later 80s, way late 80s, into the mid to late 90s, the Batman films, the, the Tim Burton Batman films. And that was also super successful because... You know, it took them a while, but they finally got a Batman film that was very, very successful and popular. Now, what's interesting is that as these Batman films are ending for DC, that's when Marvel all of a sudden starts to get, you know, some success, like you mentioned, with the X-Men films, a little later with Spider-Man. You know, the first successful Spider-Man film was also happening. But even before X-Men, I would credit, and I've done this in the past, I would credit Blade. Because Blade was actually a pretty successful, like, really good action hero, superhero film. Which also kind of gave its own uh, sequels after that. So, now that we kind of uh, moved into the 2000s, into the early 2000s, this is where we're both kind of watching things at the same time. And what's interesting is that they seem to kind of take turns. They weren't really going head-to-head with each other, DC and Marvel. The Spider-Man films continued, you know, all that stuff continued happening. But then I think for me would be, you know, as these films continue to premiere, and again, the law of diminishing returns, less and less successful, less and less money, then I think we get hit on the DC side with Batman Begins. Now, was that one that you went through and you experienced? <laughs> that, that was that was one I did have to I did have to um I I did endure. I, I was not a huge <laughs> fan of the original bat of the original Batman Begins. But just yes. to go back to your your point earlier, actually, with the original nineteen um, eighties Batman, yes. that that one was something where again I I, I was. I was all of two years old, probably, <laughs> when, that, when, that, when that movie came out. So, but I did see it. My, I have great memories of my sister and I going to the, uh, you know, the blockbuster, uh, you know, oh, and yeah, renting yeah. it. Yeah, that's know, the, VHS. the rental market. Yeah, 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 and and uh, and watching it on VHS, and and that was a, a that, was, that was probably my first experience to, to comic book movies, and and I absolutely fell in love with it. And and yeah, and as you said uh, later on, when Batman Begins came, when they. It seems like they 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 seem to have some sort of like I guess plan because you can tell that that movie set up a lot you know for, yeah, it, yeah. It, it had that idea of okay let's plan you know it, it, it wasn't I don't think it was trying to plan a, a, a you know a universe or anything but it definitely set something up to you know piggyback off of you know the next yes, um, yes. and so yeah so I, I I did enjoy Batman Begins but it just felt so. I guess because I was also on the on the heels of watching, you know, like the X Men movies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Hulk around the same time, so it, it was a bit darker 
Yep. Um, and it was a bit, it was, it was, I guess, the beginning of that sort of gritty, you know, realistic filmmaking that's become very prevalent now. And it, it just, it just seems very different to me. And it, it, from what I compare it to with, with, uh, with X-Men, where it was, you know, brighter costumes, you know, more humor based. Batman exactly. Begins was very darker. It was grittier. And something I can go back now and appreciate more, but at the time, it felt it just felt a little, a little different to me. Well, another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, we're mentioning these films, but there have been plenty of huge bombs in between these. For example, you know, DC had Catwoman, Constantine, uh, V for Vendetta, Green Lantern, Jonah, ha- you know, there, there are lots of bombs along the way, but we're trying to only hit the big somewhat successful ones that kind of led to where we are now but yeah with batman begins there was a different flavor and now my big attraction to batman begin was was christopher nolan because i loved his films and all of a sudden like what this guy's gonna do he's this is rebooting batman so that kind of got me there and to me the dark knight to this day the dark knight to me is my favorite of the superhero films not only my favorite DC one, but my favorite overall, you know, even when compared to Marvel, I'm always, everything to me compares to The Dark Knight. Granted, it's part of my particular flavor, I guess, of, of superhero films. I like them a little darker, a little realist, more realistic. The more fantastical you get, the more super powery you get. I'm not saying it's, I don't like it. It's just that I kind of gravitate towards a little more towards the, uh, the, the, the individual that uh, can manufacture his own powers out of, you know, mechanical things rather than just having supernatural or otherworldly kind of powers. So what about you? Do you gravitate towards one or the other? Uh, I do. And I think it changes a, a lot because now also just to give some perspective here, I, I'm also a fan of, uh, I'm also a big um, uh, comic book fan in general. So I have okay. been reading. So, so even especially after the X Men movie, I've I've been I've, I was really into the comic books themselves and everything, and so I had a pretty back then. I was more slanted toward Marvel, which has actually mm-hmm. changed um, drastically. Actually, recently, I've now you know catered now more toward uh, DC, but yeah, the Dark Knight. And and again, looking back on it now, and now if I have, when I have a chance to rewatch it, it strikes me as Definitely more realistic, definitely more down to earth, and not so fantastical, like you said, um, with a lot of the Marvel movies. And I think at the time, I, I was looking more for the more fantastical, you know, kind of over the top, you know, superhero powered, you know, guys, instead of the more kind of personal focused uh, characters. It's definitely portrayed by Nolan's um, the Batman, his Batman series, which is almost the embodiment of, you know, the tortured soul, you know, per- oh, yeah. the, the personal <laughs> story of, you know, one man versus, you know, all his, his own inner demons. And I think that's something I can appreciate more now than, you know, watching it through, you know, a bit older, uh, older eyes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, w- one disadvantage that I have is that I've never been a big comic book person. So I've never followed all the different reboots and, all the different people that have played these characters or, you know, now it's his son and now it's his cousin and now it's his nephew, yeah. you know, all this kind of weird things that's been happening and the complete like reboots that have been taking place, you know, on all these comic books. So that's a disadvantage. And again, I don't know a lot of the rules of, well, what's this guy's power? What's his? Why is he special? Why is her special? You know, why is she special? But at the same time, that's a little bit of an advantage that I feel because whenever I see these movies, they're completely new to me. So I can never say, oh, wait a minute. Well, 
it's not as good as the comic yes, or yes. the comic would never have done that. To me, everything is new. So it's like, I only judge it by what I see on, on the movie screen. So that kind of helps me out a little oh, bit. Oh, no, no. I would agree with that 100% because as someone who does you know, read the comics and then you go in to see the movie, <laughs> it's I almost feel like, you know, sometimes I, I wish I didn't know as much about the character <laughs> as I do because, you know, no matter what, no matter how, no matter what, you know, type of, you know, metaphoric you know glasses you want to try to view the movie through it, it, you, you try to remove that side where like, okay i know this you know I'm, I'm about the character and let me go watch the movie and try to you know be as indifferent as possible but it's hard <laughs> again and the perfect example of this is you mentioned it before was constantine yeah. that was one of the comics i got into at the time and i it just so happened that the movie was coming out at the same time i was like oh you know, this is great. I have all the I have I bought like the first two volumes of Constantine. I was you know reading them. I was really getting into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the Constantine movie is such a depart. I mean, it's it is a very big departure <laughs> from the original character of Constantine. Um, I mean, I I love Keanu Reeves, but uh, but it, it, to me, he just didn't really fit that Constantine character that was yeah, set up in the yeah. comics. So when I was watching, I was like, this. I mean, it, it's it's good. I'm I'm entertained here, but I just didn't really see it as a Constantine movie, and so that that's the definite advantage I think people have when they don't know those the source material as well, because they can kind of watch it more on the surface level, rather than you mm-hmm. know having to sort of you know not nitpick but you know see the flaws and the or the differences rather between the comics and the and the movie. Yeah, my son, for example, he actually went back and started buying all the comics and started catching up. So he has more of a similar view to you, where he can compare the and you know, contrast the two. I'm only going based on what's what's you know being played in front of me. Now, one thing that I find interesting is that on the DC side, you know, whether they're hits or bombs, whether they're one shot off type of characters that never return, like Catwoman or Constantine, there is definitely a darker tone to all of this that seems to have started with as early as the uh, the. Tim Burton Batman, I would say, all the way through the 90s and the 2000s and up to now, you know, they kind of seem to stay on that. Now, I don't know, again, I don't know my comic book history. Are there no more positive, happy (laughs) characters or is it just the, do you think it's just the way they decide to portray them? (laughs) It's funny you mentioned that because when you really think about it, the DC historically if you think about Superman and Wonder Woman and what they represent, those to me are the two most, you know, positive, positive yeah, characters yeah. you can ever get in comic book history. And, 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 and they started out, and there's actually a fantastic book called, um, yeah, justice league and new frontier. And it's, the art style is very reminiscent of the the gold, you know, the silver golden age of comics, where it's like the nineteen fifties, sixties feel to it, and everyone's you know okay. is very bright smiles. The artwork is done in a very very you know retro style, and so so you uh-huh. would think that you know DC would have. And, so, and also the Flash too. The Flash is was very you know um, positive. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and they have all these characters, but yeah. For whatever reason, I think when in the 1980s Batman, that set the, it was such a well received movie. It set the tone for having a very dark, gritty atmosphere, and that's what worked. That's what got a lot of people into it. So I think that they saw that and they ran with it. Because prior to that, this is the Superman movie and even the Supergirl movie, completely different. Yeah, completely yeah, different. Yeah. Those the, the first two Superman movies were very optimistic and more lighthearted. But again, once Batman hit from '89, that one it set the tone for being okay you know we have a more realistic down-to-earth hero 
And and that works for Batman. And that's you know that, that that character you know is supposed to be more of a darker, more reclusive character. But I think they continued with it, and maybe with the exception of Batman and Robin, that one was pretty. It was, it was definitely more lighthearted. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's. Um, and, and but yeah, but and then right up until Batman Begins, and that just you know then they really doubled down on on the on the uh, on the more gritty dark. You know, oh yeah, yeah, Dark Knight, yeah. And I think after after that, yeah, they, they just kind of kept playing off that, this this idea of having the more darker side of characters. Mm-hmm. While Marvel, on the other hand, was you no, know, I don't think they specifically set out to do the opposite of that. But you know, the X Men aren't exactly dark and gritty characters. So when that when that movie right. came about, you know, I think naturally it was it was a a movie that would be more sort of optimistic. The thing to keep in mind about X-Men is that Marvel really didn't have control of them. That's That was 20th Century Fox. So they they could go and take those characters in the, whatever direction they wanted to go. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But I, I, mean, I mean, just thinking about though, I can't, I mean, I mean, I mean, they could have made a darker X-Men movie, but I can't imagine how that yes. would. I mean, yeah, it could right. definitely be done, but I think that the X-Men would lend themselves naturally to more of a, a more optimistic, you know, bright movie. Mm-hmm. And when Batman Begins started it, it, Batman himself lended itself to more of a darker tone. So, so, so I, I think literally it, it might have been more of the fact that DC got its really firm footing, even with just the 89 Batman. And then from the, you know, the Batman Begins, they started with the same character that was much darker naturally. So the movie yes. had, I mean, the, the movie had to have been more, just from a story point of view, it, it had to have been more of a darker tone. While I think Marvel and, as you said, 20th Century Fox, they were starting with, for the most part, like you said, Blade was, Blade came, did come before, but I, I, I still think X-Men was the one that kind of kicked it off. Yeah, X-Men exploded. It just exploded. And, yeah. and I think X-Men was naturally, again, leads itself to more of an optimistic, brighter future um, type of story. Mm-hmm. Now, what's what's also interesting is that as DC is having success with Batman, and again, they went to Batman again. They went back to the well for Batman, and they did use Christopher Nolan, which is granted he you know he he's an eccentric kind of director. He directs kind of darkish, kind of strange films. So you know you weren't going to get a very brightly happy kind of film. He was he was perfect for that film. What's interesting is that they tried to re, uh, resuscitate Superman with Superman Returns, and it did also have a slightly darker kind of feel, but that kind of went nowhere. That was one of those that they tried it and it, it just didn't work. They couldn't continue. Yeah, and I, and I remember I did see that in theaters as well, and um, I was never a, a huge Superman fan, but that movie it just didn't it, it just didn't really resonate with me. And and we'll get to this later, I'm sure. But the, it, it's it contrasts that with yep. the, with the with the, 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 the Man of Steel movie. Yeah, Man of Steel. that one to me, you know, struck me a bit. It, it was more Superman ish to me, even though that was equally as you could say in tone rather dark as well. But Superman Returns was it was odd. It just didn't. It seemed like they were trying something new, and they're trying to I guess build off you know the Batman the success of Batman, but it just didn't really yeah. it just didn't really play out well for me now what i think when dc really decided to that they were going to really commit now in other words you know we mentioned that with the with the uh, tim burton batman things were dark okay they were dark but they're also a little funny here or there weird because you know that was the tim burton look and then with batman begins with nolan you know he's super serious dark okay got it got it got it but i think what actually triggered them to continue in that and then to look at the future of DC was with Watchmen, Zack Snyder's Watchmen. And 
again, even though Watchmen wasn't a huge monster hit, it definitely set the stage for what comes next. And not only did they kind of hedge their bets on Snyder in terms of he is the guy who started this new current DC wave of films. And, you know, they let him kind of continue quite a bit before they kind of put the kibosh on it. But I, I would say that the Watchmen aesthetics are the ones that we're seeing now in a way with a lot of the modern DC movies. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and, and Watchmen was such... In, in the same way that, that Marvel sort of dug deep for their Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Watchmen to me was, is the same sort of thing, in my opinion. Watchmen, if you were to ask someone, you know, prior to the movie coming out, I think that was 2008, 2009, if you would have asked someone, you know, who are the Watchmen, no, no pun intended, if who are the Watchmen, not, I don't think too many people would have really guessed, you know, or not, known about yeah. them. Not, um, and you have to be plugged into comics to yeah, know that you have. Exactly. I, I didn't know. I, I remember knowing the name, but I had no clue who these people were. Yeah, and and and, and the same thing goes for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Like you know, those, yep. those weren't yep. really big names, but now they are. And so when Watchmen came out, and it was it was such a, a success, and and I I saw it retroactive. I, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it later on, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was so very different so very stylized oh yeah and, and it was very dark and you know dystopian and so it had like this very you know different feel to it but it, while it while it was dark and you know and it wasn't the same sort of grittiness to me as batman begins it, it was something it was a bit different it was more it was more stylized than batman begins to me and so that, that's what really drew me into it mm-hmm and and I, I really I really enjoyed Watchmen. I know I know it, it didn't really you know it, it it was as you know successful I think you know looking back, but I really enjoyed it. And and I think and yeah I think and I think you're 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 correct when you say that Watchmen kind of set the tone for what we have now with the DC. You know, for better or for worse, <laughs> your question mark because I, I think they they took a lot of things from Watchmen that were very very successful, but I think they sort of got themselves into a sort of a trap of theme that they really couldn't break out of well with Watchmen also again they really went deep with the director this is Zack Snyder coming off of a uh, Dawn of the, the the remake of Dawn of the Dead 300, where, where you had all that weird looking comic bookish filmmaking that he did, and he was able to bring a lot of these weird slow motion kind of things that are like wow I've never seen this before kind of stuff into Watchmen. Yeah, now it's used in many of the movies. Now they have that yeah. same sort of like some slowdown, not Matrixy thing, but sort of like a kind yeah. Of like a, it's not exactly bullet time. It's it's something else. Yeah. It's something weird, uh, which is kind of kind of working its way out now. I think they're kind of they're like there's by the time you realize there's a new trend, they're already working on another trend. That's <laughs> yeah. the funny thing. But around this time, also, uh, like I said, there's they they still have their bombs. They have Green Lantern, which bombed uh, Jonah Hex, and The Dark Knight Rises, the third of the of the Nolan films. And as the Nolan films end, I remember that they were starting to announce whatever this next phase now granted dc doesn't refer to them as phase i think i think they just refer to them as the next set of movies and there was almost kind of like this passing of the torch because snyder was going to be kind of helming you know the next wave of films and nolan was going to be like executive producing them so granted i don't honestly believe that nolan really did much executive producing i think it was a way of kind of letting the audience know you know it's in it's on good hands this is the next guy that's going to push everything forward and that 
is what brings us to the current phase of the DC films. But before we do that, let's catch up with Marvel. So, as we mentioned, X-Men, Blade, uh, Spider-Man, you know, sequel, 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 sequel. You have Daredevil. You have Hulk, the first Hulk film, which, again very iffy some people really don't like it some people do like it this is the ang lee hulk i'm talking about the punisher the punisher has been done so many times electra fantastic four again not very successful ghost rider uh more fantastic four and right about the time where the these dc films with watchmen and superman returns are kind of starting to wind down that's when marvel somehow gets its act together is able to I guess get enough money to have one big gigantic shot at trying to put together their own franchise that they're controlling and that they no longer have to sell to 20th Century Fox, to um, New Line Cinema, to all these other places, Universal, that normally that that's where these things would be going to. They say, all right, let's do it ourselves. And what they give you is what they refer to as phase one, which includes, and let's go through these, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, The First Avenger, and The Avengers. So let's start with Iron Man. What what were your thoughts on on the premiere of this new Marvel phase? And I think this is where the ball was put into Marvel's court and they ran with it. Oh, yeah. Iron Man was, and, and I didn't know, well, obviously, I don't think any of us did, but we didn't know this at the time, where Iron Man was... It was being set up to be sort of like the pillar of yeah. Marvel's new of their kind of new outlook on their on their movies, and I, I'm not sh- I'm not sure if if even they knew who, uh, if it was going to take off like this. But I was a big fan of the Spider-Man movies. Like I liked Spider-Man one, two, and three. Yeah, I, I even enjoyed Spider-Man three. But I, Iron Man, it was you can <laughs> tell there was something different about it because it, it took itself seriously, and it also it was very character focused, like unusually so. And so when I saw, I was like, okay, wow. And then you know, and you get that the kicker at the end of you know the the post credit scene. And when I first saw it, I figured it was just okay. You know, they're just setting it for a sequel. You know, or I figured maybe it was just for um, an Easter egg for fans. I, I didn't see it as a fact that they were planning something much larger. So right. go down the, the, the list. The, the Incredible Hulk, I didn't see in theaters because it felt like just yesterday that, that the previous Hulk <laughs> came out. So the, the new Edward Norton Hulk, I, again, I, I, was, yes. I, wasn't, I, I still wasn't seeing the fact that they were setting something up for, you know, this big sort of team event that would be the Avengers. Right, yes. Right. So when these movies were coming out now, I think that Marvel, they had an idea, but I don't, I don't even know even to their credit. I don't know if they even knew that it would take off in such a way that it did well i'm going to assume that the plan was in this particular case to to introduce characters and once you have let's say four or five of these characters they will do a big team up and that will be like the super crazy movie that everybody fights everybody and and will bring some other characters that didn't have exactly you know single movies attached to them if that was their plan, that's exactly what they ended up doing. They ended up giving you a taste of these characters. Now, what, what was interesting is that as they're introducing new characters, they're also giving you sequels to some of these characters. So while they're still within phase one, if you will, which again, phase one is like a four-year period from 2008 to 2012, you have Iron Man, Iron Man 2, 
so at least with Iron Man, and I imagine they probably did it with Iron Man because it's probably the most popular of them all in that time. Because the first film was so popular, it was, it's kind of like, you know what? We can afford to do a sequel before we do the team-up because people want more Iron Man. So fine, there's your Iron Man. Then you throw Thor in the mix, completely different. Then you throw Captain America, uh, again, something a little darker but different, and then the team-up. Now, what they decided to do in the beginning, which I think it's part of the success of Marvel, is that they're giving you different, what I like to call different flavors of superheroes. You have your your very human, dark kind of, you know, do-it-yourself, mechanical kind of things, which are your like Iron Man. But then with Thor, you're it's more otherworldly. So you have a little bit of a different flavor of, of the type of character. With Captain America, it's almost a combination of, of both because he's very, you know, down-to-earth, but he does have super strength. So he kind of falls in a different area. He's not otherworldly powerful, but he's more like, I guess you can call it scientifically altered. You know, it falls under that realm. So for your comic book people, or even for your not comic book people, they're giving you three different styles. And then at the end is when they combine all these three styles of superheroes to have their big, gigantic, you know, mega hit with Avengers, which is something that while this is happening with Marvel, DC hadn't yet figured out, but they're trying now to catch up to that. They're trying to say, oh, that's how you do it. Now let's do it that way. Let's give people these different characters and then let's do the team up. But here's the catch. With Marvel, as we continue, and we'll see this, they're going to introduce different flavors and different types and different demographical targets that they're trying to hit with their audience, while DC seems to be kind of stuck on the same tone, the same dark, dark tone, until they can kind of figure their way out of that. How do you feel about that? Oh, yeah, no. And yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> spot on because, and as you said, the Marvel movies were very different compared to each other. So the movies were able to you know, speak out to a more people in a more of a wider range of, you know, interests than say some of the DC movies. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Thor, it was, it was much more, not cosmic, but more mythological based. And it was, right. uh, and in Iron Man, more down to earth, kind of, I, I don't want to say every day, because, you know, he's building a flying suit, a flying mech suit, but, but, um, but, but he's more Batman, yeah, yeah, exactly, if you will, exactly, if you can yeah. compare him, he's the Batman version of, of exactly. And now, and you contrast that with, with DC and yeah. And it, also to add to that, at the same time, DC was sort of wrapping up, I think the Dark Knight series, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight series around yes. that time. So unfortunately yep. they were losing the batman as most people knew him at that time so they would have had to have you know restarted batman almost immediately and i don't think that would have worked very well so when they did man of steel they were still in that phase of okay everything is dark and gritty but to me mm -hmm. it just didn't feel as superman-y as did you know obviously the the, the christopher reeve superman so i think no, they got, no, it no, got no. themselves off to a bad start with that and and I hate to say, and, and the Green Lantern movie definitely didn't help either. And, and, and you can see the, the footsteps of DC were trying to sort of do the same thing. Like they were introducing Green Lantern, you know, they had uh, Man of Steel. So they were trying to, it looked like they were trying to work their way up to that, you know, same sort of playing field. But 
you know, you when you get yourself off to like a bad start like that, it, it it's hard to recover at the because these movies cost you know millions of dollars. You, you can't just you know start over again and say oh you know wash your hands clean of it. You know, so one bad movie and you know you 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 sort of put yourself behind. Marvel had it, I guess, the steam because Marvel did have a few you know clunkers in there as well. Marvel had you know Ghost Rider mm-hmm. wasn't exactly uh, you know received very very well right but a lot of these bombs that marble is having during this period they're still bombs that were leased to other studios in other words they they were not official part of phase one bombs they were like i said ghostwriter which was uh, let me see here ghostwriter columbia pictures so they they were still people that still had the rights and hey uh, Marvel is making money. Let's put out our Marvel character that we still have a few more years lease. Let's put it out there. So you know they were trying to they're trying to piggyback you know on the success of Marvel. Yeah, right, exactly. And that, and that is that's, uh, that's very true. And the only thing I would add to it is the fact that like we as audience members and more kind of in in the know of the comic book movies and the and the comics themselves we can sort of see through different production studios that were are entitled to this. But to a lot of the people who watch these movies you know very casually mm-hmm. i'm not sure if, if you would ask the average person would they know is spider-man technically you know not uh yeah is he <laughs> technically you know not in the same technically universe or under the same production house as they know, might the, not even know the difference between marvel and dc yeah right right yeah and they, yeah that's true you know to them all superhero movies are you know can just be lumped together you know it's just no oh they're, they're comic books right so they're not all, yeah. Exactly. They, they yeah, really it's, same... it's up to us super nerds to kind of, you know, get through the weeds. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I, what I'd like to add is from phase one, my probably my least favorite one of phase one, I think it was Captain America. I never really liked the tone of the first one. And it's funny because not until the end, when you get that extra bonus scene where he wakes up in the in modern time, that I got to see that, that to me it just felt so and I think they did it on purpose it was so like apple pie and gee whiz and it was like stereotypical world war ii stuff that that we've seen and we've heard about and it's purposely made that way and what's funny is that even he reacts that way because you know they sent captain america to be a, you know a uso uh, performer and he wants to do the real dirty gritty stuff but they want him to just be a clown for them yeah. and and a lot of the movie <laughs> kind of gave me that feel that you know this isn't realistic this is the this is somebody's romanticized version of world war ii now granted you do have the red skull and you have some weird characters yeah okay i get that but to me not until later did i completely you know fall in love with that character it wasn't on the first film for me it took a while to get you know to get used to him it, it was it's, it's funny because it, it, i'm actually sort of the opposite when i first saw yeah, <laughs> yeah but it was when i first saw uh, the first captain america the first avenger i, I guess i have like that that can't say it's nostalgia because I, I didn't exist back then but but uh, i have like that that really like like silver age you know the the very optimistic view you know of, of that type of that, right. that type of uh, 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 that type of aesthetic and so when i first and you think it's more it's more true to the to the comic yeah, right right yeah, I mean, because even right. if you look at some that's of, the difference yeah, yeah. Even if you look at some of the um the covers of you know the old captain america comics you know uh-huh. it, it literally is that if you project yourself to be like this happy smiling you know as you you said apple pie look to it <laughs> and, and that's what that's what really it, it was so over the top almost you know beating you over the head with it and that's what sort of drew me in and then when they did 
followed up with Captain America Winter Soldier, where if anything, that probably was Marvel's kind of more darker toned movie. Oh, that to me, that's the to me, that's my favorite Marvel film. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I enjoy it. I really I, I can watch that movie, uh, you know, many, many times. But I guess maybe at the time when I saw it, I was worried like, oh, OK, here we go with the darker, gritty, you know, grim, everything, you know, sort of is, you know, uh-huh. going, you know, frowns and you know tears um so when i saw that it sort of like you know rode me a bit the wrong way as like you wow. know it's, it's such like a drastic change from the first movie which i really enjoyed and i've had this conversation with other people that feel exactly like you there there are people that are more comic book fans and they like the more optimistic the more i don't want to call it flag waving but more you know more clean cut and I always go the opposite way. I always go, I want it darker. I want it dirtier. I want it <laughs> nastier. <laughs> but granted, still, uh, the Winter Soldier to me is not as dark as the DC films. The DC films are even darker. And it's like, how much darker can you get <laughs> sometimes? After the Nolan series, like I-, I wasn't sure how, you know, yeah. uh, really the grim, you know, Nolan films are almost crime dramas. Yeah, yeah. What we get later with DC, it's more comic book darkness. Like for like you say, Man of Steel wasn't as dark, but it had that dark layer on it. By the time we get to Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, now we're dealing in what the ideal film that Schneider is putting out. This is the model that they they were hoping to be able to continue and obviously it didn't didn't work out too well. Yeah, and and, and if we want to shift the conversation now to I guess I guess as the, as you said more of like the phase 2 error in Marvel's parlance at least. When Batman v Superman came out and, and that movie uh, as I recall had a lot of production issues yeah. uh, as well so take that into account as well um when batman v superman came out you, you can tell that they were trying something and they were setting they like i think they finally got it into their heads that they, they that in order to sort of emulate what marvel was doing they had to sort of change their style a bit and they, and they had to sort of emulate what marvel was doing with their after credits you know post scenes and yep, and yep. trying to um plant the seeds for you know a plan down the road but, and again, they just really got off to the bad start with it because the movie itself, it had many, many good moments to the movie. And there were some things, you know, that I wish would have been continued. But then the other half of it is just very disjointed. And it just, it just felt like they were watching two different movies. And now I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. I think it's called the Ultimate Cut or the the, 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 the final Snyder Cut, cut or, is, or is that for Justice League? No, Justice League no, is supposed yeah, to Justice have Justice League this. is a Snyder Cut, yeah, which it doesn't yeah. really exist in any form. And nobody has seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, no one's seen this cut. No, no. But the Bat, the Batman vs Superman, there is actually another, you know, fully watchable. Like, I think it's called the, the Ultimate. Oh, a director's cut. Okay. The, yeah, it might, and, I actually it, might have it on my DV on my Blu-rays here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Check it because you might actually have it there, and it, it, it's it's just. A, a much longer and more yes 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 yeah expanded upon it, there's a lot of scenes in batman vs superman for the theatrical cut that were that were cut out and for this ultimate cut they supposedly added a, a lot of the missing content that was that was cut out of it and it's supposed to be a, a much better watch I, I haven't seen that personally so to me my view on it is still from the theatrical re- release but um, but yeah, it just didn't come together as much as well as the Avengers did. And you can, if you compare the two movies, the Avengers versus you know Batman v Superman, it just doesn't. It's just really not there. Right. 
Now, while this is happening, you know, we're, we're around 2016 now. DC is in the, in the middle, more or less, of their new wave of films, their current wave of films. Marvel is shifting to phase two, which is basically more of the same and add a couple of more characters. So in other words, you get an Iron Man 3, you get a Thor, the Dark World, more Thor. You get Captain America, Winter Soldier, like I mentioned earlier. Guess what? They're going to throw a new flavor to your ice cream uh, mix here, Guardians of the Galaxy. Here, as I mentioned earlier, is a whole other demographic they can start to hit. And that is, in my opinion, younger kids. This is definitely not dark in any shape or form. It is more kid-friendly, it is funny, and it is just as good as everything else they've been putting out so far. How do you feel? Oh, yeah, d- definitely. And, and I think you hit the, uh, the nail right on the head with the fact that it, it appealed to, uh, I hate to say younger audience members, it makes it sound you know more juvenile. It's, it's more not, family-friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it also played into the whole nostalgia bit. And I think and this is where they really went, they really leaned into the comedy you know, route. Yes. Um, yes. And it, it worked perfectly because now you have you have Captain America: Winter Soldier, which gave you you know the the, the darker movie. Yep. You had Guardians of the Galaxy, which gave you the the very you know comedy focused, mm-hmm. um, not comedy focused. You know, as you said, more family friendly and very very funny. Then you had and you had the past Avengers movie, which kind of brought everything together. And now you, and you still have the success of Iron Man coming out, where it's a more you know down to earth you know gritty movie and you know, more realistic movie. So. They're now, I think at this point, is they're really ramping themselves up to position themselves to be, okay, we have all these different branches, you know, of movies, all these different characters, and they're reaching out to so many different demographics, you know, as possible. And they have to just be, you know, thinking to themselves, you know, okay, we, we may have really struck gold at this point because they have, you know, all these franchises now to play with. And they can sort of give each one their own sort of tone. And that's right. even before, right. yeah, that's even before, you know, Ant-Man uh, came out, I think a year or two later, where Ant-Man also fed into the more comedy lighthearted route to it. So, so exactly. yeah, they're really, you know, firing all cylinders here. Exactly. Phase two concludes the following year, like you said, with Ant-Man, more family friendly, and Avengers Age of Ultron, the other, the, the next team up, you know, the next chapter of teaming up all the superheroes. So... Let me also say that while this is happening between DC, you know, we're so focused on DC and Marvel here that in the background, Spider-Man gets rebooted again because 20th Century Fox doesn't want to lose the rights and they have to come up with something fast or else they're going to lose the rights. So all of a sudden now you have, uh, what's his name? Uh, Garfield, something Garfield. I forget yeah, uh, his and, name. And Andrew? Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. So he, 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 puts out a series of, I think, two films, somewhat successful the first, and then the second one kind of fluttered out there. X-Men gets rebooted also because same situation. They don't want to lose the rights, so they have to come up with a new one, and it's a whole bunch of new actors and some old actors here or there back and forth. So they kind of chug along two kind of on the side while Marvel and DC are really going head-to-head. Did you continue to follow any of those other franchises while this is happening? Oh yeah, because I was such a fan of the um, the Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man franchise, yes. and, and and actually, when they first announced the Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, I, yes. I was sort of surprised because back then I, I wasn't following as closely, like you know, the nitty gritty of the production. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the, I was just like the movies, you know, hit me one by one. So when the Amazing Spider-Man came out, which had Garfield, I, I was pretty surprised that they were kind of 
wiping the slate clean from the Tobey Maguire one. And it was so soon. It was like, oh my God, yeah. already? Which is similar to what happened with Batman. Batman yeah. was over and then boom, they restarted it again, you know, between Nolan and Snyder. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's actually, incidentally, this was the reason why I sort of got more into like, you know, looking and finding out, you know, what was going on, why they needed to reboot it. Because while I know, even when it came out, Spider-Man 3, I know, didn't really land that well with, with audience members. I, I didn't think they mm-hmm. needed to, you know, throw away, you know, the entire franchise and redo it. But yeah. uh, at least here, so when I, so when I, you know, a bit more of the, you know, the research into it and how, you know, they weren't really under the same house. I was like, oh, okay, so they're trying to, you know, revitalize, you know, trying to also piggyback on the success of the of the current uh, Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But but and I and I and I enjoyed, I guess maybe because I'm a just I, I'm just a Spider Man fan. I I enjoyed these Spider Man movies as well. I, I, up to this point, I had enjoyed all of the Spider Man movies. I, I can I can sit through Sp- Amazing Spider Man too. It's not my favorite at all. But uh, I've had people that kept kept telling me that, you know, they would have accepted more Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Mans if they were to just keep making them. They were fine with them. Yeah, yeah. And there was nothing really... There was nothing, I mean, Spider-Man 3, yeah, it, it did have his moments of, okay, you know... The dancing scene? I think his main problem was that it just tried too much in one movie. And I think they learned from that as well. But it, it was just a little too much, you know, all crammed into one into one movie. Well, let's continue with DC because let's we're, we're, we're almost catching up to where we are now. DC, after the uh, Batman vs. Superman film, you have Suicide Squad. A very unusual departure from what would be considered their main characters. All of a sudden, they try to, they, you know, they, they do the, the bad guy team up, you know, kind of thing, which it kind of worked and didn't work. It was kind of like a, I guess you could call it a mild hit. It wasn't a super blockbuster, but it made enough money to... You know, it, it actually won an Oscar, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, it, it, surprised, it surprised me enough. I think um, it was special effects or something. I yeah, don't remember. Yeah. Makeup or something. I don't know. But again, these are characters that are way on the side that you never would expect to see, obviously, as independent films. Yeah, and I, and I think this is where DC, again, I think the phrase putting the, the cart before the horse mm. sort of leaps out at me when I see, when I, I, you know, when you first heard of Suicide Squad, only because... If this movie, I think, would have come out after they had established some of these characters, I think it also would have done a bit better. And I think the fact that mm. it seemed like they were at this point in DC's decision making, really, in movies, it seemed like now they were sort of more grasping at straws. And it seemed like they were trying to, you know, emulate Marvel so much in the fact that they were you know, trying to pull out, okay, you know, what can we do next? Well, this works for Marvel, so let's do this. And then, you know, when Marvel has an, another successful movie, they, okay, you know, let's, 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 you know, let's pivot and try, you know, these sets of characters. And it, it comes off as very disjointed. And it seems like they can, they can never, you know, connect these characters that they've been slowly sprinkling around. They seem to kind of just go toward what the next best thing is without, you know, putting the time into slowly and methodically set up the building blocks like Marvel has done. Because if, if you, even if you look at the, the, the list of films here, Marvel has, you can tell that they've put one movie out for a character. They've then, mm-hmm. you know, get, giving you a sequel to another character they've set up. They put out a, a sequel to the first one. And they, the roadmap is sort of like a building block of each character kind of building off the next one. You have a, a lot of like Easter eggs and, and the kicker scenes at the end of the movies, you know, setting it up. With, right. with, with DC, it seemed like they kind of, you know, saw that, 
you know, decided at the last minute to cram as much of it, you know, in as possible. But it just seemed like they had sort of missed the boat on that type of foundation building and then retroactively were trying to kind of, you know, now make all these movies kind of and pile everything on to try to create this artificial now shared universe. Well, well, not only what you're saying in terms of them always catching up, but I remember around this time, this is also around the time where Deadpool came out, which is another Marvel property that is not part of the phase... Uh, projects. It's it's a 20th Century Fox property in a way, and it was so successful for it being an R-rated, raunchy superhero film. And the way that that film was created, the fact that remember they leaked the the opening was leaked by probably uh, Ryan Reynolds, and then it kind of forced the studio to make the movie because people were so interested in it, and it was a freaking hit out of nowhere. This is around the time where everybody was like, "That's what we need. We need adult." superheroes, R-rated films. And there was talk of trying to reshoot, I believe, a little bit of Suicide Squad to make it a little more raunchier, a little more adult. And that's something that they, again, they were trying, they were always playing catch-up. They were always playing catch-up with, if not directly Marvel, the Marvel properties. Yeah, and that's, I think, that's DC's biggest you know, downfall is that, and I, and I don't think we've mentioned it yet, at the head of Marvel, at the head of their production studio is Kevin Feige. And yep. he has, and I can't say single-handedly, but he, he's he's led the Marvel you know, studios into this direction. You know, mm-hmm. it, it seems like almost single-handedly, and he he has this vision and this you know this 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 love of comic books himself. He's also a big comic book fan, where he had this vision where he you know he obviously wanted to you know bring all this stuff together, and he had like an actual goal in mind. I think with DC is their goal was to you know make movies and make money, which you know is perfectly fine. But I don't think they they shared from the start. I don't think they shared the same you know vision um, that yeah. that Feige had. It seems like with DC, this is something that uh, brings us to another topic that I don't want to open this can of worms. They allowed the director to lead the future of the franchise at times with DC. So for example, Snyder was allowed to con- you know to to project so forward into something that didn't seem to be working too well, which is again, this is the what's happening now I think with Star Wars and the current controversies with Star Wars films. But Marvel on the other hand, it wasn't a very director-centric plan. You know, the directors were gun for hires and yes, some of them did return here or there, but the directors didn't really drive the franchise. Fate drives the franchise. It's it's in the hands of somebody else, not the creatives, the, the the directing creatives. Yeah, and I think and 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 again, yeah, I, I was going to bring it up earlier, but I, I didn't want to open up the Star Wars can of worms. But <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I mean, if you just look at the the Last Jedi, oh. and yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, do do we have another three and a half hours? I don't think <laughs> it's so. Got to be a part two. But yeah, just, just quickly, you no know, uh, comment on it. the fact that yeah, the, I think the same flaw that's you know was the curse of DC in this is the same thing that's happening to the Star Wars properties where it's yeah. you, you give the power to to a director but then you you know you're constantly changing directors or changing you know the immediate ownership of it then then yeah you're obviously going to have a more disjointed story and a disjointed feel to everything and sometimes it's not their fault because like 
if you look for me, if I look at Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, it's like, yeah, let the director do whatever he wants. Let him do 18 movies. I don't care. But obviously, after a while, the the, the wheels start to fall off the yeah, wagon. Yeah, right. And, and the difference with that is is the fact that you know those movies had one director. Right. When it came to you know, the Star Wars properties and the different DC comics, they all have different directors and different you know um, viewpoints on everything. So, but it is. I think it is understood that up until the end of let's say last year you know Snyder was slowly kind of phased out because they realized they needed to go in a different direction and they didn't want to go in the Snyder direction which brings us to Wonder Woman which is kind of still under his wing if you will obviously he's not directing it but to me Wonder Woman was excellent I love the portion that was somewhat dark and the portion that was a little lighter a little more bright and and friendly you know not as dark as everything else we've seen now granted when they're teaming up they do they go everybody goes into dark mode but with wonder woman it is my favorite of the modern dc films now again it's no dark knight because i'm still stuck with dark knight but as far as this current wave that's where i am with wonder woman yeah i agree and i think it's pretty ubiquitous that wonder woman definitely is there their uh their ace in the hole at this point yeah. because yeah. and I, I think more recently i think it's sort of all confirmed that there won't be a man of steel 2 or at least in the respect yeah. of yeah. Uh, henry cavill playing him so i mm-hmm. think that's all but confirmed but with wonder woman is right now at least wonder woman is definitely their you know sort of standard bear into where they want to sort of lead the the dc universe and yeah it, it was it is a fantastic movie it you said Dark Knight was your favorite. Probably Wonder Woman is probably my is probably my favorite. Wow! It's yeah. It, it blends that, like you said, the optimism with the humor, with the characters all together, and right. it, it just works on so many levels. Captain America had the fish out of water yeah. thing. You know, the guy who's a hundred million years old, whatever, and he's getting used to modern times. She has that same thing. She has that. She she's from this island, but then there's the humor of her trying to adapt to modern times as she continues to not age and move through different periods of history. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and I think that's something that's very easy for uh, for audience members to, to kind of relate to that archetype yeah. of you know the fish out of water, as you said, where you know the character is sort of taken out of their comfort zone, and so right. is the audience, and we're all together being put into this new world or new scenario, and I think that kind of speaks to a lot of audience members. So I think the, I think those type of films definitely do better in terms of ratings, at least, because it, it sort of feels like you know. And not, now a lot of people know about Wonder Woman. They don't know her history. So when you can kind of you know go along the the journey with her, you know, so, yeah. so to speak, I think that I think that really works. Even the Thor films have a little of that of him interacting on Earth, and all of a sudden, you know, he's not used to the Earth customs and that sort of thing. That gives you the 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 little access to be able to throw all that humor in there that sometimes you're missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's I think is a main difference between a lot of DC movies is where you know Superman, you know, he's not really you know, because he's so powerful, he's never he's never really out of his element. Because <laughs> he's always he's, he's yeah, always yeah, you know he's yeah. he's always more in control, you know, so to speak. I mean, he obviously gets into fights and you know he gets he gets you know beaten, but Superman himself as a character is so very you know you know all around good that it, it's hard to kind of relate to him at times. Yeah. And, and Batman, you know, is more of a darker character where it's, it's not as easy to, you know, to relate one-on-one with the character, at least from a very personal yeah. level. You know, you, everyone, you know, you love Batman, you know, as a character, but, you know, relating him to him on a personal level is kind of hard for a lot of people. So I think that's what also Marvel did a very good job at with their uh, with their movies is that they sort of 
gave us the characters, but they also gave us a very human side of them. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. actually, one of my favorite Marvel movies actually is Doctor Strange, which is is uh, I can't really say it's probably one of the more popular Marvel movies in the universe, but it, it definitely spoke more to me, I suppose, because they set up the character himself in the beginning of the movie a lot, as well as you know his his Doctor Strange persona, because it, the movie actually takes a decent amount of time setting it up before he even becomes. Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Doctor Strange is part of Phase 3, part of Marvel. But before we jump on Phase 3, let's just wrap up DC because we only have one movie left that actually came out, and that is Justice League. Again, this is the final Snyder involvement in probably this entire side of the franchise. As far as I'm concerned, it's their Avengers, basically. It's their team-up film. I believe at the time, because of the success of Wonder Woman, they were also talking about, can we add more Wonder Woman into this? Can we add more scenes with her? Because they were like, oh, my God, this movie's making so much money. Let's see if some of that can kind of bleed into Justice League. But unfortunately, I, I think they, they had the same problem that they did with Batman versus Superman. It is that type of tone. And even though you did have some new character, you know, there was more Wonder Woman. There was, oh, Aquaman is in it now, which they had a little teaser before, and Cyborg and The Flash and, you know, all these little things. But again, they did not hit a home run like, you know, an avenger size home run when it came to that particular one. Yeah, unfortunately, Justice League to me suffered the same problems as Batman vs Superman. Like, there's some really yeah, good, yeah, yeah. there's some really good pieces in this movie. Like, there's some really good scenes <laughs> that I can, and it, it, it's almost heartbreaking to watch because like I'm watching this, I'm saying, oh, why, you know, why couldn't you do more of that, or you know, or, or you know, lean more into this part, but. And then there's there's other scenes where it's just like, you know, you got to throw your hands up and say, you know, what were they thinking, and. Also, I think my, my biggest complaint is the fact that they just they just didn't set up these characters to 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 sort of stand on their own. Like you know, Cyborg, we know we he was introduced here. Well, yeah, we only get a taste of these characters at, at this. Yeah, point. yeah, and, and I and I think like yeah, you can definitely you know introduce characters you know for the first time. It would be very hard for them to create five different movies or six different movies rather, six characters. But it just seems like they, they, they just threw as much, you know, paint at the wall as possible and to see what what could come out of it. Because it, it just, it, pieces of it just did not stick very well. I think they don't have the confidence to give you the individual story of the character and then do the team up like Marvel does because they're afraid if you don't like the individual character, then they can't include that character on the team up because it's going to kind of poison that film so they're kind of doing it backwards they're kind of like they're giving you a taste of the character and then depending on the reaction of the audience it's like oh you like this character you like aquaman you like what we did okay we're gonna give you a movie of aquaman now you know it's like they're doing it they're trying to do it differently but it's not really working out too well <laughs> yeah yeah and it can definitely be made for it, that, that is very true where they, they sort of gave us the um the buffet here where we can get a little bit of everything yeah it's an yeah, appetizer yeah, you get a little bit of everything <laughs> and then you know i guess they they would have spawned off the different movies the only problem with that is is the fact that when the movie itself doesn't work you know you, you then lose interest Ugh. in all of the characters because you know yeah you, you'd rather have a character where you know where if you do miss one movie, if one movie doesn't land well, then you have you know at least another movie to kind of to, to, yeah exactly the way they're doing it is you know you give everyone you know a little bit of everything, but when the whole thing kind of falls apart, then the audience is left with a bad taste in their mouth for all of the characters. So I, I mean I, I can see it working, but it's just the fact that it just didn't it just didn't land very well. So let's move forward with Marvel and go through 
phase three, which is where we're going to end on phase three right now, because we're waiting for more things to come out. 2016, you also have Captain America Civil War, which is the next, the third Captain America film that to me kind of felt almost like a little Avengery kind of film because there's so many characters running around Civil War. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, actually, it, it really surprised me because I saw this when I saw it in theaters. I was expecting, you know, a, a Captain America movie. And all of a sudden, I, I was we were thrust into the middle of, you know, everyone being there. And, and uh, I was really sort of surprised in, in a good way. But it's the fact that, you know, with the name Captain America on it, to yeah. me, this is this movie it's is like, film. yeah, it's an Avengers 3. That's. It was yeah. Avengers three before Avengers three. You know, it, it, <laughs> even the theme of the movie is you know the Avengers having a civil war. <laughs> you know, so so right. it, it, to me, this isn't a Captain America film. This is an Avengers film. But needless to say, it, it was great, and it also brought in the surprise. You know, of Spider Man in the movie. Well, and I think, yeah, that was around the time of the deal that they made to be able to yeah, use them. Yeah, exactly, and, and I think that just plays again more into Marvel's forward thinking and their ability to kind of, you know, say, okay, you know, we have these properties that, you know, we aren't making movies on, you know, in-house, you know, let's see if we can kind of, you know, leverage that or at least, you know, try and make a deal to at least get him into the, uh, at least make an appearance into the, into the Marvel movies as we see now, is still, you know, helping them, you know, in spades. Yeah. The Phase 3 then is followed. You mentioned Doctor Strange. Uh, I like Doctor Strange. I think, again, this one falls a little more on the Thor side, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's a different kind of superhero. Uh, he's got his own different type of powers, but it is in the, the mystical, you know, magical type of uh, realm, you know, in terms of your, your particular flavor of superhero. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, again, more Guardians of the Galaxy. There, to me, it was just, I couldn't tell you I like one more better than the other. To me, they were pretty much the same. Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, here's where that little experiment that they tried with Civil War, now it's like, okay, now we're, now we're married. Now we're going to just go full tilt. And now you have, just like in Civil War, your third Spider-Man actor, <laughs> once again, uh, changing. I like this kid. This kid's pretty good. What do you think? It's funny. When I first saw Tom Holland, Tom, yeah, Todd, yeah, yeah. Tom Holland. Yeah. When I first saw him in Civil War, I wasn't really on board with him. Because now, like you said, this is the third <laughs> Spider-Man now. And so now I'm like, oh, like now wow. I'm thinking, like, okay, what's going on? What, you know, it seems like, you know, they're changing Spider-Man actors like they're you know, doing shirts. So when I first saw Civil War, I wasn't really, you know, I was like, okay, we're just gonna get another one, you know, in, in a year or two. But when Spider-Man: Homecoming came out, and we get to know his full backstory, we get you know the, him being the focus of the movie actually, and we get to see him, you know, be a little more, um, you know, be the focus of the movie. Then I was like, okay, I actually do like this kid. He's actually he 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 fits to me what Peter Parker always has been, you know, sort of you know a a, a high schooler that wasn't like he's as much yeah. as I like Tobey Maguire. He he didn't really come off honestly as a high schooler even back then. <laughs> With Tom Holland, he has like that persona and that that you know look yeah. where he looks like you know Peter Parker. Granted, all these actors are probably in their thirties, but they do play good high school yeah, students. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now this is now followed by Thor Ragnarok. Now Thor Ragnarok surprised the crap out of me yeah, because same here. they made it so yep. funny, and I love the director. I saw uh, he did a movie called What We Do in the Shadows, a comedy, and. 
they flipped this movie. They flipped it. They went to the comedy side and it completely works. Why does it work? I don't know. I just don't understand why it works, but it works. And I wish they would continue doing more like that. Now, granted, I don't know if you can take any character and make him funny. I guess it helps when you're already kind of dabble with comedy a little bit like guardians is already funny but thor is the type of character at least in these movies that every now and then he would get his funny stuff but on this one they just it was just amazing what they did yeah and and this surprised me as well because i i was i don't think it, it was it wasn't even it wasn't even <laughs> marketed as uh as, as funny as like well I, well I remember seeing the, no. the, the commercials for it and uh, it didn't strike me as being that funny. <laughs> like when I went into, I was, I was like, okay, we're gonna see a nope. you know a Thor movie. It's, you know, when you know leaving the theater, I was like, wow, they really. Uh, and and I and I, I was a little worried that they were going to because I knew Deadpool came out. Deadpool was very very yeah. um, comedy focused. Guardians of the Galaxy was very very yeah. comedy focused. I was worried, and Ant Man was for the most part very very oh yeah comedy focused. So. I was thinking that, okay, I hope Marvel isn't going to do what DC did in going full on gritty darkness now to make it all their movies full on comedies, basically. Well, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I, I don't think they did. I, I, I think that they still have their more serious movies. But Thor was, and I, and I did enjoy Thor Ragnarok, but it, it was just the fact that it was so funny and it was so surprising, really, um, that it kind of just caught me mm-hmm. off guard. <laughs> All right. Now, Thor is then followed the following year, this year, the first one from this year with Black Panther. Now, I do remember when they used to have these, um, like, stockholder meetings or whatever, where they would put up the, the monitor, the huge screen, and they would have all these little uh, symbols of all the future films. And it was like, phase three, you have bump, 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 bump. And then, like, Black Panther, like, I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell is Black Panther? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I ever heard of Black Panther. So few fr- uh, a couple of friends of mine would tell me, oh, well, yeah, they have this other character. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. What I love the best about Black Panther is that he's not a sidekick. He's not something that you can just kind of put him on the side and give him some time and then get back to the story. He's his own story. He can stand up next to any of these major characters, you know, like your Iron Man or your or your Spider-Man, and they created that entire world just for him. He's not kind of shoehorned anywhere. And it's almost kind of like the rest of the stories have to come to him, to his world. You know, he's not there to help them. He's involved because of the fact that it all comes to him and it all has to rely on him in a certain way to see where we're going to go next. Now, granted, we've gone to a very dark place after this in terms of Infinity War. But I love the fact, like I said, that it's just another solid individual character and not a sidekick. Yeah, and... Also, to add to that point, you you also have to notice that Black Panther just wasn't dropped out of nowhere, you know, and, you know, okay, we're making a Black Panther film now. The character was actually, you know, set up in uh, Captain America Civil War as well. So that's when we yeah, get... That's, that's right. Yeah. They sprinkled that's him they on. Sprinkled yeah. him on. That's, that's where we get first introduced to him. So, again, Marvel and this, their strategy and uh, forethought is just you know mind-boggling because they're creating a movie like Captain America Civil War and they're introducing these new characters and these new seeds to be expanded upon later is just you know genius really because even at the end when I saw Civil War I was like oh man I hope we get to see more of you know Black Panther 
lo and behold, you know, <laughs> we're, you know I'm sitting in a black pan- in a movie for Black Panther. So, and, and you're right though. The fact that the, the good thing about him is the fact that he can stand on his own, and he, and he basically is his own, you know, mini like world in itself, basically. Yeah, he's yeah, his own pretty, country. Pretty much. <laughs> and and. It, it just works out so well that the fact that and now we know he's getting his own sequel at this point with the numbers with the numbers that it pulled oh, yeah. in guaranteed so and the fact that they kind of dug deeper because black panther wasn't and like you said you, you didn't really recognize the character black panther isn't a, a huge well-known you know captain america type recognizable character he's he 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 is a deeper cut maybe that's part of the secret of of the success of marvel is that because they go after these obscure characters not obscure but not a tier characters they go to the b and the c tier characters so this way you don't bring a lot even for the comic book fans you can't bring a lot of baggage because they're not as you know you throw in the hulk and you're going to have your hulk fans telling you what you did wrong or what you did right but when you bring in these other characters they have maybe a little more room to be creative yes, about yeah it. and you also you bring in these characters where, where people don't have the profiles they already you know come in with of these characters so yeah 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 exactly yeah and, and then and then when you sprinkle them on like they did captain you have civil war you know so you're introducing this character who you don't know a lot about but you establish you know some history with them through the interaction of the established characters like the captain america and the iron man so 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 you sort of kind of you know introduce him through the characters that you do know and then you when you give him his own movie you know, people don't know a lot about him. But they, all, the, all they know about him is from what they've seen in, you know, Civil War. So so they, they can kind of yep. build up their own, you know, expectations to it. And they're not coming in with this, you know, years and years of history and expectations only to get disappointed in it. So what I love about Black Panther is also the way that they handled their bad guy. The bad guy was not the, the mustache twirling evil scientist that a lot of times you end up having in a lot of these films. The bad guy was somebody who also had, he had good points in terms of life gave him a bad raw deal and everything is the result of those raw deals. You know, he got dealt the wrong hand and it just kind of uh, brought him down all the way to the end where even at the end, he, you know, he's trying to, uh, Black Panther is trying to save him, trying to help him. And he kind of realizes that he's, he can't be helped. He just can't be helped because he's, he's damaged. He's a damaged individual. And that's also to the point where you, where you mentioned uh, mustache twirling villains. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I think that's where the downfall of, especially a perfect examples is, is Justice League itself, where the 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 the, the, the main the main villain <laughs> in that movie just comes off as you know a mustache twirling <laughs> alien, <laughs> and, and it, yeah, it's so yeah. flat and so it has no connection to it. And I think that's a compliment to Marvel, where um, a lot of their villains are not these stereotypical, you know. You know, I mean, there are, yeah. there are a few. Yeah. I, I, as much as I like the first Captain America, you know, Red Skull came off as very mustache twirling. But, but, um, even, but even in Black Panther, if you want your mustache twirling bad guy, you have Claw. Yeah, right, right, but, right. But the other character, he's just, again, he's he, he could have been a superhero. He has all the characteristics and the attributes of a superhero, but he got screwed. And by getting, by being, by getting damaged, it completely screwed him up. And I think that plays into just just the pure storytelling point of view is where if you want to create a good hero and a, and a likable hero, you have to have a good and relatable villain as well. Mm-hmm. Because if you just have a villain that you don't really care about, 
you're going to be less, you know, vested into the main character because, oh, yeah, of course. You, you know, you're not going to have that sense of, you know, oh, we have to get this guy, you know, together. It's, it's going to be more of like, oh, okay, he's fighting some, you know, guy who wants to take over the world, you know. So I, I think that Marvel's done a better job than DC in the fact that their villains are a bit more relatable. And the same thing with Avengers, with Thanos, like he, he doesn't come off as, you know, he can be, he could have been, just uh, you know, a mustache trolling villain, but they gave him a. There's there's a little more there. There's, there's a more little there more there. There's a little. It's a little deeper. So I think that definitely plays into it. Now, speaking of which, this brings us to Avengers: Infinity War, which is the third Avenger film. I liked it a lot better than Ultron. Uh, I, I Ultron to me felt a little like okay, just more of the same. Okay, I get it. Fight, fight, fight. This one is bigger. This one I walked out saying, oh my god, it's the Empire Strikes Back. What a downer. Now, granted. I understand, just like I believe most people understand, a lot of these people are coming back. So don't get too sad, but they do punch you in the gut at the end of this movie. Like, they're peeling that Band-Aid one hair at a time. (laughs) And to me, it's my favorite of the Avenger films so far. And they were able to bring everybody into this movie. And you could see those connections that you mentioned. Almost just about every single connection that they've been building up for the last, I don't know, like 10 years... It all comes to this movie. It, it's it's all there for you. Yep, and I actually like Age of Ultron. I, I'm not sure why the movie gets so. It's just like a bad rap. I, I actually, I, I actually, <laughs> yeah, I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> Maybe I'm just easy to please. But, but uh, not to spoil anything if you haven't seen it yet. But uh, but yeah, most of the people uh, yeah who as they quote unquote get dusted, they're, they're coming back. So I don't think it's that big of a <laughs> big of a deal. But um, but yeah, this movie definitely sets the bar. I think way high for dc to match because this movie definitely it's not even good on just like a superhero comic book level it's it's just a really really good movie i mean to the point where it's almost like dark knight good yeah not only does it just bring everyone in which is itself is a, a feat in itself it just plays on so many emotions and especially by the end of the movie you're like like you said it's like Wow, well, what what did I just sit through? And and they don't feel like cameos. They feel like oh, they're, no, they're, yeah, they're there for a specific reason and they're going to accomplish something or they're going to get destroyed. It's not like, okay, it's my turn to push this and it's my turn to do that and I'm going to push this button and you're going to push that button. No, no, they're there for a reason and, and it's very realistic. Yeah, and because this movie, with the amount of characters that are in this movie, it oh. easily could have been like, okay, smile, you know, smile for the camera, cameo, and you know, next shot. It was written in a way that it felt natural for everyone to be there and it felt like, like you said, everyone had had, or at least something to do to contribute to the movie it wasn't just you know you show up for two seconds and you know just so we can say you know oh it's the avengers everyone's here yeah for, for, pause it here there he is okay yeah, yeah, get, yeah. get on with the movie yeah uh, now this year concluded now with ant-man and the wasp which to me was just basically more of ant-man it's that flavor it's the more kitty stuff they do tie it to this movie believe it or not they still tie it to this movie very important whatever happens at the end it is completely tied to this movie but Again, it's a fun film. For, it's a family film. It, you're going to laugh through a lot of it like you did through the first one and through uh, Ragnarok and through even some of the Guardian films. So it, you, you were given that flavor also to, to kind of chew on this year. Yeah, this one, actually, I, I have yet to see Ant-Man the Wasp. Um, oh. Because, yeah, because as much as I liked the first Ant-Man, it, it, it was... 
it was a little too on the nose. I guess it was like a little too much, you know, even for me, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I was going to see this, but I was like, ah, okay, let me let me just wait it out. I'll wait till it comes out on home video. Definitely rent, rent, you know, rent it when it when it's when it's available because it's it, it's not bad. It's just to me again, it was more of the same. It's more Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, and the same thing for me goes for Deadpool too. I, I saw the first Deadpool. I I, yep. enjoy, I enjoyed it. More of the same. It wasn't enough for me to go back to see uh, to see uh, Deadpool two though. So what about Venom? Did you see Venom? Venom, I did see Ven- Venom, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm sort of happy if Venom isn't part of the MCU because I wouldn't have wanted it to kind of start like that. Like, oh, okay, I, I haven't I, seen it yet, so that's going to be a video I, I, one for okay, me. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for you to see it, but um, it, it's good, but. It's just very weird. Like it, 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 it seems like it's trying to blend. It's trying to do what, um, what I think Thor Ragnarok tried to do. If that's a good analogy, like it, it, really? it, it tried to, it tried to blend huh. comedy with seriousness, but it just doesn't really, it doesn't work because there's wow. some, there's some scenes in it where it's like, okay, this, you know, this is they're trying to go more horror, and then it's more comedy on the other side of it. So it's, it's like two two drastic different approaches to it. And it just comes off as, okay. you know, I, I don't know. It, it didn't really, it didn't really do a lot for me. The last one I want to mention that again, is not directly tied to Marvel directly. It's part of the 20th century Fox line of X-Men films in a way, Logan. That one was excellent. It was completely different. It was practically a Western, how weirdly different it was and how serious and a bit of a downer also. I don't know if you had a chance to see that one. I did, and this is. If I had to, you know, crown the all-time favorite, this uh-huh. is my favorite Marvel. Okay, I, I guess you can't say it's Marvel, but it's my favorite Marvel-based comic book movie. Okay, of all time. This but movie, not your Marvel MCU one. Yeah, if, right? it, had, if it had a separate okay. two, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. But this movie hit me on so many levels. Oh, it's it was, uh, it's oh. It was brutal and and it was so realistic and so gritty. Like it, it makes me rethink like my my distaste for more gritty realistic movies. Cause, cause, it's because, one of those movies that you're watching and you're like, I'm not crying. Yeah, yeah, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> you're crying. I'm not crying. <laughs> because, because, no, I mean it's, it's scene after scene. Like it, it doesn't let up. Like uh, at least with, with like Avengers, you know, there, there's moments of comedy in there. You know, they they sprinkle it in. <laughs> not this, here. With this, no, with this, it's like you, you see, like the you see Professor Xavier and his, oh. you know, degradation, and even personally, um, for myself, I have there's some history of like you know Alzheimer's and dementia in uh-huh. my own family, uh-huh. so that was even more sobering. And this is one of those movies where I'd have to really be in the mood to have to re really rewatch yeah. this, and, and, and that's not a bad thing. It's just saying that it's so heavy and so. It sticks with you so much that it's it's not a movie you can just put on you know on a Saturday afternoon you know and just carefree you know watch it. It's something that you really have to want to watch again. And it's not that it's a dark DC kind of movie. It's just a serious, realistic movie. That's the thing. It's just it hits you. It just hits you from so many angles from the from the little girl to like you said, Professor X, you know, to Logan himself. All these problems that are just colliding with each other it's just incredible yeah 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 i agree because this is i'm looking at the i have like a whole bunch of my blu-ray copies out now i'm looking through them and looking at the cover of logan it's just 
Man. I think this is one of the ones that they were saying also that you can buy it. Uh, there's like a black and white version. Yeah, that yeah, also yeah. Supposed yeah to... The one I have on here is um, it, it's called Logan Noir, and it comes with um, oh, okay. the DVD, yeah, the, the, the Blu-ray. I keep saying DVD. The Blu-ray comes mm-hmm. with um, the, the black and white version, which I haven't actually watched it yet. Actually, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen it in black and white. Yeah. Well, this brings us to the end of the current uh, level of everything that's out there right now. And again, this is how, you know, the differences and how we think maybe this is what they're doing wrong. This is what they're doing right. Now, we can't get into the future ones, but we're just going to throw out the names because granted, there were other ones that were going to be made, but they got scrapped or delayed or whatever. Like, for example, the Batman is no longer on the production slate because of the problems they had with Ben Affleck. believe more or less quitting the role but the dc side later this year we have aquaman next year we have jazam joker the the single joker film not the suicide squad joker a different joker the joaquin phoenix joker birds of prey and then the wonder woman sequel 1984 wonder woman 1984 Uh, those are all in the production post-production right now so those are definitely coming and then on the marvel side Let's see here. We're going to start off next year with Captain Marvel, which we got teased Captain Marvel at the end of, I think it was Infinity War. There's another untitled Avenger film, which is the sequel to Infinity War, which they haven't released the title yet. Uh, The Dark Phoenix film, which is the the new X-Men film, which now it's a weird situation because the rights of X-Men, you know, the the Fox rights to X-Men diverted back to Marvel. So this is probably, I guess, the final 20th Century Fox version of the X-Men. Spider-Man Far From Home, another Spider-Man film, same production, you know, group as, as now we have because of the merger. And the New Mutants, another 20th Century Fox version. I guess I assume that's part of the X-Men franchise, more or less. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the New Mutants will okay. be sort of like their. It was sort of like their B-listers from the ah. like their B-list spinoff. Wow. Now, but wouldn't that also revert back to Marvel because of the merger? Yeah, I, I would expect so. I would. I would think that because of the merger is pretty much set in stone right at this point. So right, but I think I think they because they started the production under the 20th Century Fox banner. You know, before the merger, it is still considered to be a separate entity, I guess. But I I don't know how the profits work. But who cares? We're not getting any of those profits. <laughs> Wow. Well, listen, this has been a really good one. I mean, this went on longer than I thought because there was so much material. And he, and the backstory, you, can, you can't jump into the modern without get, giving the backstory. But, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed our topic today. I don't know about you, but I definitely want Steve to come back and, and hit us up with another another show, another topic, another anything, because I think uh, this one worked pretty well. What do you think? Oh, uh, yeah. And I would, I would love to be back on if uh, if you and uh, the listening audience uh, would have me. That'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, this definitely went longer than I thought, and it's great. I think uh, I think we hit on a lot of like, um, the key points here, and we can definitely probably maybe maybe in a year come back and revisit this topic and see uh, and see any of the, any has DC kind of you know turned the right the ship as Have they, they say. caught up. Yeah, and I, I also heard something about that they, that Marvel doesn't want to uh, refer now to the future as phases. They're not really doing phase four, phase five because you know in the past when they've announced stuff, some stuff has gone away. Like I remember. The Inhumans was supposed to be a movie at one point, and then they turned it into a television show, which kind of flopped. So I guess they don't want to kind of show their cards too much now because you never know what kind of changes they might have to make. And they don't want to end up, you know, shortchanging people and all of a sudden, oh, what happened to this? What happened to that? So I think they're kind of playing their their cards a little closer to the vest on their future films. And, and, this, and, and this like super, you know, 
connected world we live in right, right now yeah. where everyone kind of jumps all over any sort of any you know slight news you know about production problems or something i think that's probably a smart oh. thing to do because you know we, we see you know the internet masses you know riot whenever there's like a, a, a slight production <laughs> problem or you know if, if some photo gets leaked so i i, I think playing it a bit closer to the vest with a lot of their announcements is probably a, a smart thing to do all right well all i know is that both of us will be either going to the movies or jumping on the next blu-ray that comes out to be able to catch up and keep up because the, this world is so big but you know we're gonna continue well i hope everybody enjoyed today's show we tried to chart the entire history for the majority of the dc and marvel films all the way from i would say the late 70s to the present we focused a lot on the current state of this particular wave that we seem to be riding now that you know we don't know where it's going to go and the differences between the successes and the failures between dc and marvel and which way we think this whole thing is going to go and you know what are the type of things that would help one over the other i would also like to thank and i hope you guys enjoyed our new co-host steve who helped me out with today's topic and hopefully we will hear from him again very soon. So, on behalf of everybody here, thank you for listening, and we will see you soon here at GeekFest Reds. Bye-bye, everybody. society had intended. What if a child aspired to something greater? My son was in the bus. He saw what Clark did. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. How do you find someone who has spent a lifetime covering his tracks? For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. Give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They'll race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Your son is safe. I will find him. 
My father believed that if the world found out who I really was, they'd reject me. He was convinced that the world wasn't ready. What do you think? What's the S stand for? It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Well, here it's an S. How about... Excuse me. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2018. <laughs>is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. <laughs>